0: Hello, Nephew community, and welcome. My name is Dr. Hannah Lambert, and I'm a medical science liaison with Otsuka. Welcome to another episode in the Hot Topics in Nephrology podcast series. In this episode delivered by Dr. Garamella, we will take a deep dive into pain and in ADPKD, including the prevalence, causes, assessment, and management of ADPKD-related pain. It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Pranav Garamella. He is an associate professor of medicine, the division of nephrology at the University of California, San Diego. He is the director of acute dialysis services at UC San Diego Health and the founding director of the UCSD PKD Center of Excellence. He received his training in India, Chicago, and completed his fellowship at Tufts Medical Center, training in clinical nephrology with a focus on polycystic kidney disease with Dr. Ron Perrone. His research endeavors have led to multiple grants, including from the NIH, and numerous peer-reviewed publications on the topic of biomarkers and kidney diseases. He has been the recipient of a multitude of teaching and clinical excellence awards. He is also involved in initiatives to develop programs specifically targeted at minority populations in an effort to improve health literacy and potentially clinical outcomes. We'll now go ahead and get started with the podcast. And I wanna kick it off um, again by welcoming Dr. Garamella and thanking him for joining us today. And I'd like to uh, talk about um, ADPKD-related pain with um, asking Dr. Garamella, how common is pain in ADPKD? And what are the most common causes of the pain?
1: Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Pain in PKD is unfortunately common. Nearly 60% of patients report having some kind of chronic pain, whether it's in their abdomen, lower back, or radiating down into their legs, and sometimes even with radicular features. And the causes of pain can be complex in PKD. This is because in addition to the entire spectrum of pain syndromes that people without PKD can have, such as musculoskeletal pain, there are some unique reasons for patients with PKD to have pain. And this includes cyst hemorrhage, kidney stones, urinary tract infections, and ruptures of cysts. And in addition, you can have pain that just arises from pressure that these cysts place on the internal organs and on the... Muscles and ligaments. So, you can have pain in the liver, you can have pain from hernias, you can have abdominal pain and fullness after meals. And as a result, it becomes important to understand what the pain is stemming from in order to be able to effectively manage it. And although we believe that, you know, patients, uh, about 60% of patients may report some kind of pain, there isn't a real systematic way of capturing this in clinical practice, unfortunately. And that's because until recently, there haven't been standardized questionnaires that capture the entire spectrum of pain in a a systematic manner. And hopefully with the development of some of these new tools over the last few years, we'll be able to get a much better understanding of the importance of pain in ADPKD and how we can use this in clinical trials and clinical care moving forward. And, it, and it's important to evaluate this. I think this is a really important patient-reported outcome because uh, it affects their ability to perform daily activities of living. It has some significant impact on mental health. And uh, you know, unless you're well-versed with the causes of pain, it might often be blown off by providers. And so educating providers and patients that pain is common is uh, a complex, uh, Uh, has complex etiology, I think is one of the most important things that uh, we in the PKD community need to do.
0: Thank you, Dr. Garamella. That was a wonderful overview of how common pain is. And I definitely agree that the PKD community needs to be aware that so many patients experience pain. So what type of pain do these patients typically experience? Is it dull, sharp, or can you give us a description of those types of pain?
1: That's an interesting question, Nana, uh, and the reason I say that is um, the everyone, of course, perceives pain differently, and with PKD, because the causes of pain are different, the types of pain that everyone experiences will be different, and again, no two people's pain is the same, because no two people's PKD presentation is the same. Uh, very often patients uh, have a dull aching or cramping back pain, and this could be due to just constant pressure and the fact that you have really large kidneys weighing down on you. Uh, other times this could be sudden, it could be sharp uh, or, or a knife-like pain. And when that happens, we're typically thinking of, of situations like a ruptured cyst, a bleeding into a cyst, and sometimes even an infection, in which case uh, you can have pain back where the kidneys are in the bladder or with urination. And the other thing that commonly presents in patients with PKD is kidney stones. And for anyone who's ever had a kidney stone or has had pass a kidney stone, they often described it as the worst pain they've ever felt. So uh, independent of the pain from the cysts, you might have pain from the back radiating down towards the flank, Uh, um, and so those are really the most common types of pains. And again, there could be baseline chronic pain on which there are these exacerbations depending on whether there's a new kidney stone or a new urinary tract infection. And so again, targeting pain really has to understand whether you're treating the acute pain or the chronic pain. And even in chronic pains, even without a urinary tract infection, you can have exacerbations. And the trouble with PKD is that these exacerbations are often unpredictable. Sometimes they can happen several times a day for a week, two weeks, um, and not happen for many months again. Or it can happen like cyst hemorrhage can happen and persist for up to three or four weeks. And that's really distressing to these patients. Um, And it may limit social activities and uh, their ability to work. So again, making sure that we understand the cause of chronic pain and the acute exacerbations would probably help us target treatments more effectively. Sometimes with chronic pain, patients can say they can really localize it and that may correspond to a single cyst or a couple of cysts that are putting pressure. But just given the fact that these patients have so many cysts, even if there is one cyst seen on imaging in the area where the pain is, it, it becomes hard to ascribe causation and say that that is the cyst that's causing it. So one really has to keep that in mind when looking at imaging and trying to correlate it with the site of pain.
0: It's really important that providers are aware of the types of pain that patients can experience so that they can recognize the, the pain and appropriately address it. Are there any tools or scales commonly used to assess pain in these patients?
1: Until recently, there actually weren't. And like I said at the beginning, this is an exciting area that perhaps will help us identify patients who have had chronic pain and maybe provide strategies to tailor our therapies to it. Over the last two to three years, there have been a couple of different pain assessment scales that have come out. Uh, one is called the PKD pain and discomfort scale that was published in 2023. And a second slightly older one called the uh, ADPKD pain assessment tool that was really developed to facilitate pain research. So that's a little different from the pain and discomfort scale, which was more recently published. And I think the pain and discomfort scale is uh, something that is really important and perhaps you know more clinicians should be aware. It's a relatively new publication, so pay, people may not be aware of it. But it was a well-developed clinical tool uh, using literature reviews, clinical experts, and patient focus groups. And there was actually a development phase and a validation phase uh, after doing a deep dive into the literature. And this wasn't just in one country. In fact, you had people from eighteen countries participating in this tool in this tool's um, creation. And uh, you had about 293 patients in the focus group that did this survey once, and then people actually did the follow-up survey also, about 108 of them, about three to four weeks later to kind of look at consistency um, and showed uh, that these the score and this tool that can be used uh, uh, to assess pain. And really three types of pain were discussed, whether it's dull, whether it's this fullness or discomfort, or whether it's a sharp pain. And uh, essentially what it does, it, it asks over the last seven days, how has this pain been and how uh, trying to characterize it. And so it, it assesses severity and its interference with daily activities. And it has about 20 items in it. So while you don't need to uh, really administer this questionnaire, perhaps every time you see a patient, Uh, it might not be bad clinical practice. Again, uh, there is no evidence yet, but this is really the first tool we have. So I would like to see this tool be brought into clinical use and more PKD clinics and PKD pain clinicians uh, start using this tool to to have a baseline measure and see whether uh, their interventions actually change the pain scale and the patient's ability to function based on this validated questionnaire, which until quite recently, we've not had.
0: Now that we've talked about how common pain is in these patients and the different types of pain, um, our providers now know that there's a new tool that they can use to assess their patient's pain. How should one approach the management of pain in these ADPKD patients?
1: So I think that really starts off with asking the question, is this kidney-related pain or is this non-kidney-related pain? And if this is non-kidney or non adpkd related pain, I think the treatment of that would be standard as you do, do with anyone. If this is kidney-related pain, I think you know two things come to my mind uh, immediately saying, one, is this an infection? Because the treatment of pain related to an infection is really treating the infection with antibiotics and that is quite, Time sensitive, and two. If this is not an infection, what else is this? Um, and so, there. in, you know, I think I would need to decide whether we need clinical imaging, whether we need a urinalysis, or whether we think this is exacerbation of chronic pain. And assuming that this is an exacerbation of chronic pain, this is not a kidney cyst or a urinary tract infection, which have very specific targeted therapies. And what we're treating now is just pain then I think, you know, we get into the realm of how do we manage chronic pain in patients? Um, And and there is a vast amount of literature outside the PKD world, but very little really within the realm of PKD. But I think most most experts would uh, kind of agree that a stepwise multimodal approach to pain management in PKD is quite reasonable. And I say stepwise because we want to start with strategies that perhaps have the least side effects and are the safest and can be tolerated over long periods of time. This involves non-invasive pharmacologic therapies such as, you know, behavior modification, ice heating packs, maybe some physical therapy. And if these don't work, we start then thinking about, you know, pharmacological interventions, and these could be pain medications that are non-opioids initially, such as um, acetaminophen or non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, if the patients can take it, which of course is a big concern in people with kidney disease. And then for if that doesn't control the pain, then step up into something like synthetic opioids, like tramadol, and then perhaps uh, move further down into opiates with the caveat that we are very, very cognizant that patients should not be on chronic opioid therapy if, they can, if that can be avoided, given these concern for side effects and the risks, of course, of um, being uh, dependent on opioids. When pharmacological therapies don't work, we really have to think about whether there is a role of invasive therapies. And these invasive therapies could be minimally invasive or you know, larger surgical procedures, which are really the last resort for pain management in PKD. When we come across minimally invasive therapies, uh, these could be transcutaneous uh, electric nerve stimulation, they could be spinal cord stimulation, um, celiac plexus uh, block with anesthetics, um, and renal denervation. But these are more targeting the, uh, the neural pathways, and sometimes people would prefer to directly treat the cyst, perhaps one or two large dominant cysts that may be causing the pain. And historically, people have tried cyst aspiration, which is essentially just putting in a needle and taking the fluid out. But that procedure, while being the least invasive, is also associated perhaps with the least benefit long term, because the fluid tends to reaccumulate. And so cyst fenestration, which is kind of de-roofing the, wrist, uh, the cyst, or Sclerotherapy with alcohol or uh, other uh, substances such as SDS may actually lead to better success. And really the last resort perhaps would be nephrectomy, which is uh, uh, restricted to patients who either have had a kidney transplant or are on dialysis. And similarly, even for liver-related pain, the last resort would really be a partial hepatectomy and or a liver transplantation. So as you can see, there is a whole uh, there is a whole school of thought of how to manage pain and PKD. And again, uh, it, that depends on the cause of it, that depends on the expertise, the center, because not all centers may have these uh, modalities available. Uh, and, and if they aren't available, I think, you know, um, li- uh, working together as teams with surgeons and eventual radiologists and pain specialists would be really critical in ensuring that uh, we appropriately and effectively manage pain in ADPKD.
0: Thank you so much Dr. Garamella for that amazing overview of pain in PKD. It's so important for providers to remember that many patients with ADPKD appear asymptomatic, but approximately 60% of these patients experience acute or chronic pain, and pain is the most frequent symptom leading to diagnosis. So once again, thank you, Dr. Garamella. The podcast was so informative today. And thank you, Nephew Community, for tuning in. Remember, you can go to the nephew.org for more podcasts, webinars, and events. Our handle on social media is at Nephew Community.